Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fuck, Mr. Fullers? There's a classic. What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. It's a show that you listen to on your device or your computer, and you can do it through earbuds or headphones, or you can listen to it right out of the speakers on whatever you're... You know what it is. I'm back from uh, Europe. Been back a couple days now. By the way, Drew Carey is on the show, and uh, it was it was a whopper. Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big talk, and I had no idea. I had no idea about anything about that guy, and uh, he just wanted to come by, and it was uh, it was great. I'd met him once before, but uh, you just never know. I, I I don't. I don't know about you, but I never know. And it was great. We had some laughs. I learned some stuff. Uh, there was some inspiration to it. I, it was a great talk, and I was happy to meet him, and I'm happy to be back home. Uh, what have I missed since I last talked to you? Oh, uh, Michelle Wolf, I think, did a great job sticking it to the man. Sticking it to the man. Yeah, I don't know what the backlash. There's no backlash. It's just a bunch of, uh, bunch of press idiots threw her under the bus out of fear for their own goddamn connections, among other things. And then there, of course, was the predictable uh, right who are a bunch of uh, of self-proclaimed uh, victims. For people that uh, complain about a welfare state or treating uh, people who are the less fortunate with any respect whatsoever, boy, do they do the fucking victim thing. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, real sad sacks, a lot of them. Just real thin-skinned. Ugh, what a bunch of cowards. Cowards and babies. Armies of them. Armies of cowards and babies. So back from Europe, look, I travel a lot, and I was just on the road for two weeks, and um, I was with uh, Sarah the Painter, with lovely time, but uh, just between us, I mean, do you like, um, do you, I don't know, how do you shit on the road? I mean, is it, I'm sorry, it, this is unnecessary maybe, but does your body naturally hold back what's in it when you're not at home? I mean, I find this even when I travel myself, but... But uh, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to tell you is uh, a lot happened when I got back after two and a half weeks or however long was I gone. I don't know if it's a normal consequence of traveling or maybe that I, I'm inherently uh, colon shy. I don't know. I don't know what the story is. I don't know if this is a common uh, situation. But uh, 
but it happened to me. I guess I'm just, I'm just. Uh, can I get a witness? I think is is where I'm at with this. I, I am I unusual? Um, I know I am. I know, and I know this is not breakfast talk or table talk or even necessarily podcast talk. Not this podcast, but it was on my mind. I never really noticed it as much as I did this time. And then again, I was traveling with uh, Sarah. I wanted to um, keep some sc- something mysterious. You know, you cross the line with intimacy where there's just uh, there's no mystery anymore. And it's it's more comfortable, but it's all out there. You know what I mean? So maybe maybe my insides are saying, you know what? Let's let's keep this a secret for a little while longer. All of this. Let's not go all out. But uh, but I did. uh, I did have a lovely time. I'm happy to be home. I if it I think it sounds pretty good right now. And I think this garage is really starting to work out. I've been having longer conversations in here. It feels like some of the more consistently than uh, than I was at the old place. And uh, this kid, Julian, who I had to hand build me some sound platforms. I had him just build me some stuff and he built it. It's got a nice homemade feel to it, but they look good. And they, they sort of encase me in. Uh, these uh, these platforms that he built, and they they're I think they're working, and I kind of like it in here. I don't know. I I'm glad I do. I didn't know if it was going to happen, but I'm glad I do. So I get home, immediately start worrying. The jet lag's been kind of fucked up, but then I woke up today, and and Lafonda is having a hard time peeing. Then I'm finding puddles of you know bloody pee everywhere, and there's blood here and there. I don't know how long it's going on for. I was away for two weeks. I asked a guy who was staying at my house. If he noticed anything, she's been a little crying a bit, but it was just all, I don't know, today she waited to, to, to get this ill till this morning and I took her in and, you know, put her through that. She's a 14 year old cat. She's a little cat and, you know, I got to get her in the box, which is a fucking nightmare and hopefully it's just a bladder infection. That's where we're at. But the drama of getting a cat to a vet, me stressing out, me knowing they're getting old. You know, they've been so happy over here at the new house, you know, and uh, just I and then the vet said something to Sarah about how you when you leave, it's like you, they go through it like a horrendous grief. You know, it's it very stressful. And I was away for two weeks and, you know, I can't, you know, I've, I've you can't just build your life completely around the cats. You know, you got to go out and live. And I learned that a long time ago, but it's, you know, it's sort of sad and I hope she's going to be OK. Thank you. I'm not asking for for uh, hopes and prayers or anything but uh, she seems all right she's a little loopy but uh, i'll let you know that's what happened today it was stressful but i'm okay i'm back in town got some new sound panels going everything's all right watched a rat lumber across my uh front yard yesterday i just saw this little guy like a little look like a, a torpedo going through the grass in my front yard i was probably about 30, 40 feet away. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I run over and I just watch this rat kind of move through the yard and look for a place to go into the house around the side in the walls. Didn't look like he lived there. It looked like he was on his, I don't know. He didn't seem well. It was daytime and uh, I followed him and he looked at me. I looked at him. He didn't seem that there was an urgency there. And that usually means that's a sick fucking rat. A rat with no urgency is a sick rat. There's a quotable. Here's another one that I wrote down for some reason. Uh, there's too much to watch. You know when people say that about 
TV and what's on streaming and everything. Too much to watch, I think, is today's version of there's nothing on. Think about it. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Drew Carey uh, is a nice guy. He's a funny guy. He's a guy that's got a hell of a job in show business. He's the host of The Price is Right, which is still on weekdays at 11 a.m. on CBS forever, and for it will be forever. And we get up to that point. We, we talk about how he got that gig. But uh, I was completely surprised with this chat, and I really enjoyed it, and I think he did too. We had some laughs. He's a laugher. This is me and Drew. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Gary. I'm trying to remember the first time I met you, and I think it was uh, an Alex Bennett show, uh, a remote Alex Bennett show. Oh, wow. Yeah, in San Francisco. Oh, so at a bar. Yeah, at a bar or something. I remember it was really crowded. It was like dark wood place with booths. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a place where we put peanuts on the floor. But that weird thing when you do the radio in the morning at the place, everyone's eating like full dinners. You know, like yeah. there's always like this weird buffet of food. It's like seven in the morning and people are eating like, you, you know, like stew and, and chili stuff. and nachos and yeah. burgers. It was what the rest, it was what the place had to offer. Right, right. It, and it, for some reason, when you're doing morning radio, you're sort of like, this is the way we live. I remember. We're eating dinner now. I remember people were drinking beer. Sure. Of course. At 10 in the morning. Right, because you were probably commenting on it. I'm like, really? Is this happening? Uh, I was. That was weird. Yeah. But like, I, I, I mean, Christ, you're, you're like, that was a long time ago. That must have been like 91, 92, probably. Is he still on the air? I think he's on Sirius. Oh, okay. Oh, another thing I have to t- tell, tell you is I got to apologize for something that you probably don't remember. If, I you, was a, if you have to go through that step, are you in the program? I am, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not one of those. It's a, I'm in the program, but this is not. Do you want to do the if, seventh step where you do like how, what your resentment towards me? It's and a, your role step, in? a man, ninth step, I think. Oh uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I know it's, it's not one of those, but like years ago, God, I'm pretty sure you're at the Montreal Comedy Festival. Okay, and uh, you know you you were there, and you had a room. And I was like, I, I want to think, I believe it was Rich Jenny that was, you know, that was down in the bar and I was talking to him and he was talking to this girl who was with a dude. And then he, you know, I don't know what, how it happened or what transpired. I'm pretty sure it was Jenny. I, 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 that's possible, right? You guys were friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but what, whatever the fact is, is that you had a, people up in your room. And it was like a very small gathering, you know, like, and I brought these two kids up, like this girl and this dude, you know, who you didn't know. And I knew in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to be up there. Why am I in it? And when I brought them up there, it was clear that it was like just you and Rich and maybe one, maybe Rick Messina or somebody. Oh, and, and it was like, and I brought these strangers 
into your room. And, and it was one of those moments where you were just looking at me like, what was happening? Who are, Did I? Why are these people here? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It was my fault. No, I should have been more welcoming if that was the case. No, but it wasn't that big a party. And, like, and I know what that's like to have just sort of like, uh, who brought these? Why are these fans just in here well, looking for drugs? Were they not? Were they not that cool? Is that what it was? Well, yeah, they were just clearly just, you know, civilians. Oh, okay. You I know? mean, if sometimes you bring civilians to place and they're, if they're super cool, then you're it's glad okay. they, yeah. they were brought. Right. Like, no. oh, so I'm so glad you brought these fun people. But if you brought a couple of duds. Well, they were just there. And it was just. apology accepted. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I apologize for bringing the duds. Anybody who's listening, it's totally fine, I think, to bring like an uninvited. I mean, not all of but for a casual thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. where there's sure. uh, only I, so many seats. Sure, bring an uninvited thing, but just better make sure you're cool. <laughs> like, if I showed up right now and I said, hey, I know it's supposed to be you and me, yeah. but look, uh, Mick Jagger was He's hanging out up. with me. You'll you don't mind right. if he comes in, right? And you were like, hey, hey, dude, I t- it was just you and me. What are you bringing yeah. fucking Mick Jagger for? You know, yeah. who's You'd the be, asshole then? Yeah, me. Yeah. I, I'd be the asshole. Not Mick Jagger. No. So, like, let's, let's, I want to talk about, um, like, the, the journey, man. I mean, you've been around a long time. Another story I need to ask real quick because I heard a rumor about you and I want to know if it's true. Sure. Uh, like the day before you were supposed to shoot the pilot of your television show, did you shave your head? Oh, it wasn't the day before. It was, <laughs> no, it wasn't the pilot. I had already been on the Drew Carey show. It was like the, I was about to start yeah. the second season. Oh, okay. Because I was still living in my apartment in Hollywood above... I lived a block up from the Rock and Roll Ralphs. Oh yeah, I lived in an apartment there. Like, uh, where is that? Fuller. Western and where is right where by is Fuller and like Sun on Sunset, Rock and Roll by down the street from uh, the Guitar Center. Oh yeah, okay. So people call it the Rock and Roll Ralphs. Yeah, and the one side street is called Fuller, and I lived at Fuller and whatever the cross street was. There was a Fuller something apartment. Yeah, complex. I lived in Dice Clay's old apartment. Really? Yeah, I lived in Dice Clay's old room in Crest Hill. Well, I was glad that I had. He had a third floor apartment at this place. I actually talked did to him you, about it. How did you get it? Just from coincidentally. Dice? Oh, coincidence? Yeah, because they said when I was going to rent it out, yeah. they said, "Oh, Dice Clay used to live in this apartment," and I was like, "Okay," but I guess it was like a lucky place to live. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Because you know, it worked out for Dice. It worked out for me. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of good times in that apartment. And um, but I was living there. And uh, so I remember a picture that I had of me with my head shaved. And I don't know why. I just felt like shaving my head for, I don't know, and we'll see how it looked or something. Yeah. Right before you were supposed to shoot? Well, it was like a month before. Oh, okay. It was like during right. the summer break. Okay. And I shaved my head and it just yeah. didn't grow back fast enough. <laughs> so even though I had this short crew cut haircut. It was too short. It was still too short. <laughs> and I had to get a wig made. Like I was, I came back. I was like, man, my hair's not growing back. So they had a production. I had to like send me to a wig maker yeah. and make me a wig that was short. A Drew Carey wig. Uh, yeah. It was just a real drag, man, the whole thing. <laughs> but I was like, that wasn't the day before. I wouldn't have that. that. I'm not uh, Britney Spears. I'm okay. Britney. Yeah, yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what was going on in my mind. I'm like, what happened that day? <laughs> Paparazzi were chasing me. I couldn't you, take it. You just lost it. as the day Drew lost it. Yeah. But uh, so Cleveland, I, I have, um, I, I, I appreciate Cleveland a little more than i used to and yeah. and uh because you know there's like on that Me one too. block yeah you do yeah there's that one block that has some good restaurants on it and... yeah that's the one thing though that's that's <laughs> that bugs me about they have they do have like this one it's right neck right across the street from hilarity like to be fair isn't it hilarity is like, that the club to be fair it's like two or three blocks okay right but it's like this one section is it third street or sixth yeah. street or third street yeah right around there 
I can't. Yeah, remember. like the Greenhouse Tavern. Yeah, excellent. All around there, but then you walk onto Euclid after that, and yeah. it's like you'll see a building like boarded up. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's the hotel I stayed at across the street in this old atrium building, and obviously. Oh, you we, stayed there? Yeah, the idea the was the atrium like, building's cool, isn't it? It's a cool building, but whatever was supposed it's one to of the happen original there malls. didn't work out. Right? Yeah, the the attempt to revitalize that mall didn't quite catch on. It was ne- it was never no, there was never an anything. honest attempt. No. Well, even when I was growing up, that was like the it was always like that. My whole oh, really? life growing yeah. up. Yeah, it's like four stores in there because it's like. First of all, it's an old place. It's a pretty old it's, place. It's cool. Yeah. But it's not you have to be downtown to use it. So but when you were a There's kid, no, you can't just like uh-huh. hey, I'm going to this place, I'm gonna park and go in and get out. Like, right. That's not the vibe of the place. You really have to got that's the place where you go like to or from after work. But were there stores in there when you were a kid? There was the same kind of stores. There's like these small little like Oh really? Kind of store. Yeah, I remember when I was in junior high. I was in uh, Pirates and Penzance at my junior high school, and I had to get- You the, did theater in high school? Just that one. That was- Like, that was the choir's big- Yeah, yeah. That was his big thing. Uh-huh. Pike, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I was in band. Uh-huh. So- What'd you play in band? Trumpet. Really? Oh, that's good. Marching yeah. band? Yeah, marching band and stage band and So you wore the outfit, band. so you were a musical guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you still play the trumpet? Mm, I can play a scale. Oh, really? Yeah. You let it go, though. And, and even a chromatic... Yeah, I don't play anything. I, I really... When I was real little, I played accordion, and I keep threatening to learn accordion again. It's a practical instrument. You'd be fun it at parties. Your, it is if you're a comedian. Sure. Like, there's a lot of guitar... There's a few guitar acts out Le- there. There's a few left. A lot. Yeah, there's a few left. There were more back in the day, though, they right? Were, yeah, and I had no problem with them. <laughs> no? No. I mean, do you remember comics used to complain about, a, oh, this guy's a guitar act? Guitar act, yeah. But there's a couple of them that were really funny. Yeah. Bob Saget had a guitar act. The Smothers Brothers were a guitar act. Sure. And they're, I idolized the Smothers Brothers. Right. Well, they one of them had a guitar. Right? They both played. Did they? Oh, we'll go guitar and a bass. Okay. But right. That's right. Let's call them a guitar sure. act. Okay, fine. So there's, I don't care what you use as long as you're funny. I think- Judy Tenuta used an accordion. No, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, Emo Phillips used to come on stage with a trombone. He didn't play. He just would hold it. Oh. For like the entire act. One guy, I'm trying to remember this guy's name. I think about him all the time. I'm blanking on his name. I apologize. Yeah, I hope I can remember. Wherever you are, Go I ahead. apologize. But he was really funny and a really good, and not just a, a guitar, but a really funny, like thoughtful one. And he uh, he had a thing in his act where he would have the audience do a sing-along, like a typical guitar guy sing-along. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, uh, three hour tour, have him do that. And then, yeah. uh, you know, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Then, oh, whatever. They'd have yeah. that. And then he would go to the crowd and go, okay, name your congressman. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody would just like, uh, yeah. And then they'd all laugh because like, who knows? As political as you think everybody, like it's different now, I think. I think people are more political now than they were four years ago or whatever. Yeah, because they're freaking out and they realize like, maybe I should engage in this process. Yeah, But uh I right before I did Prices Right, the reason I was on the Prices Right's radar is because there was a guy named uh, uh, Michael Davies who's, who does uh, Men in Blazers now. He's yeah. a TV producer yeah. guy, and now he does Men in Blazers about a soccer thing, and uh, plus other stuff. But he approached me. I did a project with him before, and he used to be an executive at ABC, and he was doing a game show called The Power of Ten, where. Yeah. Uh, you could win up to $10 million, and what you had to do is you had a, uh, they would do Rasmussen, they hired Rasmussen to do surveys about polling? things. Yeah, polling places. Yeah. They would do surveys about things, and you had to guess the percentage of the survey within yeah. a certain amount, Yeah, 
And if it was a wide margin, you'd win a thousand and then the margins got narrower and narrower. And then if you got it within like two percentage or three percentage points, you'd win $10 million. It was like that. Yeah. The, it, the percentages got harder and harder. Right. But it was things like, you know, what percentage of people think it's, uh, you have a right to own a gun? Yeah. What percentage of people uh, don't wear underwear? To and you got to guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you would be like, some would be funny, you know, and some would be, you know, like, and some would be like serious political things that I would discuss with the contestant and then they would try to answer so when he pitched me the idea i got a call from me i was retired and i didn't want to do anything unless it was fun that was <laughs> yeah, my thing i said is. if it's fun i'll do it if i think it's cool i remember I'll do that it. i remember that drew carey but i don't want to i'm done but i don't need money yeah so if you have a project it's not about money it's just about if i think it's goofy or enough yeah. to do they're fun enough to do so my manager calls says oh he wants to pitch you a show it looks pretty good you think you might like it i okay so I was friends with the uh, George Foynovich and his family, his best friends with his daughter Betsy, uh-huh. and uh, so I got to know the family. And George Voinovich was mayor of Cleveland, uh, two-term governor, two-term senator, very popular uh-huh. politician. He was a senator at the time. Yeah. And he was in L.A., California, for something, and he was staying at the Beverly Hilton. And I was going to meet him for lunch. So uh, while I'm waiting for him, I get the call about the show. And the sample question he gives me is, what percentage of people know the name of their governor? Oh, yeah. Do you know? Uh, I would say 22%. No. It's 11%. 14% if you included uh, California because of Governor Schwarzenegger. Huh. And that's it. Yeah. You'd think more. And so I was like, wow, that's amazing that so many people don't even know the name of their governor. That's true. Because every once in a while you see a survey about people don't know the name of the president. And you're like, what are you, crazy? And then, you know, so then the, this guy shows up, Voinovich, who's was a governor and is yeah. a senator, and I tell him that, and he's eating salad, and I go, "What percentage of people know the name of their governor?" And he goes, 10 percent." I go, "Oh my god, it's like eleven percent." Yeah. How did you know that? Uh, and he goes, and he goes, "Well, you know," and he goes, uh, "I go, isn't that amazing? You're in the paper every day, and people don't know your name." And he didn't even look up. He goes, "People don't read the paper. <laughs> just keeps eating. That's it. Yeah, they're just they're just doing their own life." And here's a guy who's been a politician like his whole life. And he's like, people don't read the paper. Now, I wonder it's such a cynical system and so fucking, you know, strangely dysfunctional because people don't give a shit. It seems like the only people that give a shit are the politicians who are looking to get something. Well, I don't think, I think more people are paying attention now, but even yeah, then, hell like, yeah. a lot of things go over. I mean, I'm, there's days where I just don't even want to look, man. I know, I know, dude. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not as worried as everybody else because I think everybody, I now have this. You got an inside line? You got a No, I now have this like Buddhist philosophy about the Dhamma wheel, about how everything comes and goes and things come to the top and go to the bottom again. Oh yeah. Everything's born and they die and you You're doing the Buddhist thing? Yeah. Now if you but if like honestly, things are changing so fast. I was you know, I'm listening to the news and there's like a woman host on NPR and like that used to be it used to be where that would be a remarkable thing. Yeah. A female host of a radio show that was nationwide. On NPR even? Or yeah, yeah, even, you know. Yeah. 40 years ago. Sure. Like in the 50s? Yeah, a lot of things- That would have uh, been amazing. Yeah, a lot of things have changed very recently. We just don't really think about how recently things yeah, are. Yeah, it changes fast and it changes slow, right? Right. So, like if you think for a minute that 100 years from now, there's going to be people like Trump around in any kind of power, I think you're out of your mind. Like that's a, this is like the last scream of a dying breed of thought. Oh, well, I hope so. I mean, like, it is. but the problem is, is like, I, 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 I hope you're right. It I don't totally know. Is. I don't know what's going to happen in that 100 years that you're talking about to, to get to where well, there's no more Trump people around. I, but, but I will tell you this, it was less than a hundred years ago where Europe was almost, you know, German. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, and it and takes millions I'm not, of people were killed. Things don't happen overnight, right. and then things change and they don't change. Like you know, uh, end of the Civil War, slavery's outlawed, but then it took like about a hundred years for the Civil Rights Act to pass. Where yeah. we were like, okay, let's get serious about this. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then after that, still racism, still racism, like still dealing with it, but getting better and better and better. Right. Arguably. Sure. You know, not to get not gone totally, but still getting better. And so it's going to be this. I have a I have like a comet theory that I use all the time. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So like a lot of change is like a comet. Yeah, the shape of a comet. So the people in front of the comet take all the heat. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and get all and that, the right. Get all right. the damage. Sure. sure. And yeah. then it gets popular, and the yeah. comet gets big. Yeah. And then there's that tail end of the comet. Yeah. Of people that are just left behind and catching up and not quite there. And they get the they get all the benefits because they're like by the time they get there, not like, even the benefits. Just... Like they don't even know what's going on in front. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So right. they don't, they're they're yeah. still like, oh, that's changed now because I don't feel like that. That's not me. Yeah. Around here, we still think. Oh yeah. So it takes know, them a while. The, yeah. Yeah. Catch yeah. up. Like you, people don't like to. I, I hope look how you're many right. people don't I hope have. You're right. Look how many people don't have computers. Don't have. I know. Well, you make assumptions. Internet right. access. That's right. People think today like, wow, everybody's streaming things. They use the term everybody. Yeah. You know, but there's all of us of, are. Yeah, like you read an article, it's like all of us are. Nowadays, right. we all. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. There's like 20% or some really high percentage of people without decent internet access. All they, apparently, all they get is uh, conservative Facebook posts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, that's, you know, if you get a Facebook feed or text or some kind of like, uh, some kind of like textual thing, yeah. you're not going to get a streaming video. You're not going to be able to watch. It's really hard for them to get the kind of information and they have to, people have to go to the library still to get online. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of, large percentage of people out there that don't have cable because yeah. they can't afford it they don't have direct tv yeah. they can't afford it they, they, you know yeah yeah it's a, it is something that we don't really realize or think about yeah not everybody is like all hooked up no definitely so you grew up in cleveland altogether uh, yeah right in, the, right in the city right in it yeah and what was Cleveland Public High School? Really? Yeah. And what was what was the city like then? Because now you get the feeling like you know they got the grilled cheese place, they got Slimans corned beef. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they got the you know the fancy restaurants, and that's a good comedy club there. And there's a stadium. There was only like there was only like a couple of hotels downtown you could really go to and stay. But was at. it a thriving city that you remember? No, it was already dead. No, this was River on Fire days. Oh, really? when I was growing up. <laughs> Yeah, Mayor Perk <laughs> caught us. I remember the yeah the river caught on fire when I was growing up there. Mayor Perk was doing a we had a mayor called Mayor Perk, and he uh, was doing some kind of opening with a blowtorch, some kind of constructive thing. His hair caught on fire. Oh yeah, his wife. They had a chance to go meet the president and his wife. Uh, it was his wife's bowling league night. They had a bowling league championship, yeah. so they didn't go. Oh, really? Yeah. They didn't like the president? Was it a... Uh, it was, no, I think it was honestly just like a bowling... Uh, a bowling issue? Yeah, a bowling issue. <laughs> I gotta, you know? When I was growing up, like, Johnny Carson would be making Cleveland jokes. Well, it was know? always sort of a punchline, no? Yeah, but it was like especially big then i think paul thomas anderson's father used to host a weirdo uh show. he was the ghoul the ghoul yes yeah the most popular uh, movie show host in cleveland history probably and, and that was in cleveland yeah yeah actually oh uh actually no he was goulardi goulardi that was the ghoul it. was after goulardi yeah goulardi yeah so in the you remember him 60 oh man are you kidding me that was like he was like a king then well the ghoul was i was more the 
Goulardi was when I was little, and then he moved out to here come to L.A. Yeah. yeah, he was friends with uh, Tim Conway. Tim Conway, yeah. Right? They were like a comedy writing team in yeah. Cleveland, and they used uh-huh. to do little comedy bits. And Tim Conway moved to L.A., got McHale's Navy, and he told uh, uh, Goulardi. Goulardi, yeah. What's his real name? Ernie Anderson. Ernie Anderson. Yeah, Ernie Anderson. Father of the genius. Yeah. He might be a genius too. Ernie Anderson was great. He worked at the station and he would do a, uh, an, like an after school movie show and he would wear like the the, the Van Dyke goatee yeah, sure. and yeah. thing that you would yeah. get in the back of the comic books. Right. And he wore a beetle wig. Yeah. That people, you would be able to buy this thing called a beetle wig, which is like a, I don't know, this weird hair wig that you would buy and you wear the lab coat with kind of like buttons with sayings on it like uh-huh. Sakatumi and stuff like that on his button band the bomb and all those buttons that were popular then yeah and uh he wore sunglasses with one eye, one of the sunglass things busted out yeah and he would say things like, hey kids over there scratch glass turn blue <laughs> and uh he had all these like catchphrases and uh he would um i love that those guys do gigs like you know lo- it's like a local radio too they sh- they do shows they you know yeah they- he his thing was he had he had the Goulardi all-stars they it was like a it was a ba- softball and basketball so he would like come to your high school or junior high and play against your teachers and faculty yeah to raise money for charity yeah so they would come like hey we're going to be at euclid high school this friday playing uh our all-stars playing euclid high school yeah, faculty yeah. and every kid would show up wow. and gulardi the ghoul did that especially and i think gulardi did too but the gulardi would um uh when he was on like friday nights he would get like an 80 share yeah people the kids were watching everybody watched. like you right go to school on monday everybody was talking about what gulardi did or what the ghoul did after yeah. him the ghoul worked for gulardi he was the guy in the monkey suit yeah that would be around in the background he would do all these stupid sketches and interrupt the movies yeah yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah. it would be like creature from the black lagoon let's say he was yeah, showing right and then when the creature came up he would start playing Papa Umau Mau. Right. Okay. And then he'd pop up like in the screen, like he was being attacked by the creature when the, and he'd pop Umau Mau. He oh, would really? just like do that. So it was like pre mystery science theater. Yeah. He would do crazy kind of- stuff and then he would read like letters. But as one of his main things that he would do is people would send in models that they made yeah. of like cars, ships, like whatever the model was. Right. And he would blow up the model with an M80. Or firecrackers. <laughs> like he would light an M80 and step off and it would blow up on camera. And that's why they'd send him in? Well, no, he would just like, that was one of the bits that he would oh, okay. do. Like, we're going to, hey, so-and-so, so this 15 years old from uh, from Parma, sending, a, uh, sending this model kit card. We all decked out and yeah. he would like put an M80 and just blow it up. It was really fun to watch. But then he got so popular doing that. that yeah. one t- I read a book about him. Somebody in local Cleveland wrote a book about him. Somebody back then, and this is like in the late 60s, yeah. made a stick of dynamite at home uh-huh. out of M80 and and yeah. and stuff and just yeah. like took all the gunpowder yeah made their own stick of dynamite right got on the fucking public bus took it down to the tv station hey i have something for for the ghoul that i want to drop off to me make sure he gets it sure thing they get him the stick of dynamite can you imagine yeah they get him the stick of dynamite he's this pretty cool yeah and he goes to blow up a model and he lights it and he he like runs away and it blows the glass out of the sound booth. Oh my god. It blows up so big the glass and the sound booth shattered. Yeah. That's the kind of shit he did. I think he got suspended or something for that. He's I think, lucky he didn't kill people. I think the I think Gulardi, the guy that took off from him, got suspended for blowing up a mouse with a firecracker. Oh my god. He blew up a mouse because he thought it'd be funny. Yeah. Do you know that that tradition of, of, of radio still exists? 
And it happened in Cleveland, dude. I was in Cleveland doing a. I believe oh, this it. is on TV. I know. Yeah, but like I was in Cleveland doing a morning show. I just it's just strange that I just realized this might. I think it was Cleveland where you know I you know when you do morning shows you don't know what the crew's going to be like. You don't know what their their angle is. You know if they're shot. No, yeah, or, I know. No. But I get there and everyone there's panic. There's a guy running down the hall. You know he's got no shirt on, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? You know it's seven thirty. You know and and like I'm like, what's it's going on? It's noon to them. But apparently it's some guy going like, oh the puke can and didn't work so oh my god yeah it was <laughs> see, this is radio i guess there's a video element in it, but they'd taken a weed blower and some guy was going to make himself vomit milk into this weed blower and and it was gonna the idea but everything there was puke all over the ceiling i had to go to another studio and i'm like is this really where radio's oh, nah, at is man this- <laughs> it's unbelievable people in cleveland had the real because the city was getting made fun of so much yeah. like everybody like like cleveland was exactly the punchline like a full cleveland outfit was like a a um a leisure suit right like a light blue leisure suit head to sure. toe they called it that they called that a full cleveland they did that's what it's called yeah look it up that's a full I, cleveland. I wore a full cleveland on uh the uh this first night in my bar mitzvah so you grew on up friday a, night I, I wore a full cleveland in albuquerque New right and at the time like the indians were like the the last place team every year the cleveland indians never won anything <sighs> They would play at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which held like 70,000 people. That's where the Browns played. The Browns were decent. Yeah. Uh, the Cleveland Indians always sucked. So I would go to, it would have like, seriously, seat like 70,000 people, 68,000, something like that. Yeah. And they would have 5,000 people there. Yeah. Totally empty. Oh. I would go with my friends when I was in high school and we would buy a bleacher ticket and then just walk up to like the box seats yeah. and just have a seat. Or wherever just hang we out, wanted. drink beers. Like who would just stop us? Yeah, right. They're barely <laughs> right. looking at tickets. It was just something to do, right? Just something to do. But so, like, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, two older brothers. And all, it was the three, uh, and like, and, and my, my mom and your mom. My and your... dad died when I was real eight years old. Really? Yeah. I don't so, know why I'm questioning that, but that, no, like, yeah, that's pretty horrible. I made it up. Makes me look. <laughs> makes me look more pathetic. I, and... I don't know why I always. <laughs> I do that all the time. I'm like, really? Like, why? Well, you know, I barely like... remember him too because he was always sick. He, he had like. Heart attack, stroke, uh, blood clots, you had oh, brain really? tumor, you had all kinds of problems. Was it genetic? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, good. He just didn't, I mean, I don't know, didn't you know, eat right or whatever. Yeah, I know that, people that's back a there. Lot, what, just eating You love beer and steak. <laughs> yeah, oh, that. So, you know. So you, you remember- He drank a lot. He was a uh, big drinker. Oh. My were, mom used to tell me funny stuff. I don't t- tell this to a lot of people, but, uh, on public anyway, yeah. but what the hell? My mom used to tell me these funny stories about my dad. Right. And uh, one of the funny- Quote, unquote, funny. Yes. Yeah. Here, here's one of my mom's funny stories about my dad. And they were all like her funny, woe is me stories. Right. Like these, can you believe my luck stories that right. are supposed to be funny. Yeah. Uh, or amusing. Yeah. But it's not like, let me tell you the story about your asshole dad. Right. It was, it was like, sort of cute. Can you believe my luck? Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's right. what happened to me. So- <laughs> She told my dad once, ha, yeah. ha, ha, yeah. that if he ever came home drunk again, she was going to call the police. Right. Ha, ha, ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes home drunk. Yeah. She calls the police. Yeah. The cop that shows up is a drinking buddy of my dad's. Right. And says, <laughs> sees my dad and goes, oh, my God, Lou, are you okay? That's my mom's funny story. And I always thought like, oh, yeah, haha. That yeah, was like a yeah. funny fit. And then sure. I like lately I've been thinking like, wow, how bad does it have to get with a couple? Right. Where the the woman goes, do that again, motherfucker. And I'm, gonna- I'm calling the cops. <laughs> right. Behave like this again in my house in yeah. front of the kids with me. I'm going to call because I don't know what else to do. I've screamed at you. I've done everything else that the kids probably didn't see. Yeah. I'm going to call the police. What do you think of that? And then she 
finally he has to call the police and, and it doesn't and, work out. And it's a cute story. Years now it's a later. cute story. Yeah. And wow. or he uh was one time my dad lost his job, he got laid off. He was a uh draftsman for General Motors. He worked at the tank plant on, yeah. on, on uh Brook Park. And uh he uh lost, he got laid off, and it was around Christmas time, so him and his buddy decided they were gonna sell Christmas trees yeah. at the gas station. Yeah. So they paid, got a bunch of Christmas trees, and every night he would come home. How's the how's how's it going? Ah, we're not doing so good. Ah, Christmas trees aren't. This is one of her funny stories. Yeah. Turns out they were doing well. Yeah. And he would take all the money he made in cash selling the Christmas trees and go out drinking with his friends. Right. Instead of bringing it home. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) (laughs) He's out of work. He's got three kids. He's drinking the Christmas tree money. Yeah. It's hilarious. But you had to put all this together later to yeah. really assess it. Yeah. And you don't have any real recollection of the guy. No, to me, that's like, yeah. no, and I don't have any real recollection. I'll, and oh, the, this the whole family, even like his side of the family told me this funny story about my dad. Um, the time he was out drinking with his friends and he threw up out of the car. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. And he threw up his false teeth. So his false teeth went flying out of his mouth when he threw it outside of the car. So he wanted to put an ad in the paper uh-huh. to try to get his false teeth back. Yeah. So he calls the Cleveland Plain dealer. Hey, this is woo. Can we? Uh, I lost false teeth. And uh, they didn't even put like the they didn't put false teeth in the ad. It was something like lost sheep or something like that instead of false teeth. <laughs> right. It wasn't lost sheep. It was something else. Of the way he was talking. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, isn't that funny how your dad couldn't put the right ad in the paper because he threw up his false teeth? <laughs> It sounds like you might have been better off not knowing this guy. I mean, I, bar- we, I mean, we did barely. I remember playing catch with him in the yard one time, and he took me to a uh, took me to the Cleveland Barons hockey game uh-huh. once. So I did a few things with. Are your him. brothers older or younger? Oh, both the older, six and twelve years older. Do they remember him? Yeah, he was a real disciplinarian. Like he used to beat the hell out of him. Oh man, yeah, he kept a strap hanging up on a hook at a, the top a, of the basement. A stairs. drunken disciplinarian, the worst. Yeah, so my oldest brother Neil, when he yeah. turned eighteen, he just left. That's a that's a sure sign it I'm wasn't out. great. Yeah, I'm yeah. Good. And then my middle brother had a little. I, and I they were like talked about how I got spoiled. Yeah, because I didn't get beat up as much as they did. Because there's a six year difference between you and the youngest one. Yeah, it was six years, six years, and six years different. In, so yeah, so when my brother when he turned eighteen, I was six. Oh, yeah. And when I turned 12, my brother Roger was off to college. Right. So it's just like me and my mom through right. those formative years. So your mom had to hold the sh- sh- ship down. Had yeah, another funny story. Oh, my God. dad, oh, no. I, we were having spaghetti dinner, and I didn't want to eat my dinner. I was little. I, I had to be five or something. Yeah. Didn't want to eat four years old, whatever old I was. And my dad was like, you're not getting up out of this chair unless you eat your till you eat your dinner. And that's it. Yeah. He's going to make me sit there till I ate. So... Hey, Dad, I cleared my plate. It's all taken care of. Good. Yeah. Months later, two, three months later, he's going down to the basement where he kept his paint cans because yeah. he has to touch up the molding or whatever. Yeah. He opens up the paint can. There's the spaghetti. <laughs> I dumped all the spaghetti in the paint can yeah. to hide it. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, this is my, one of my favorite funny dad stories okay, that my good. mom used to tell me. Uh, there was a Dairy Queen in my neighborhood that was yeah. within walking distance. It was yeah. like a 15-minute walk, but we drove there that day. I was like three, so... It was my brother Neil was 14 my brother Roger was 8 I was 2 so my dad and Neil who's 14 get in line at this Dairy Queen because they're having a sale on Sundays so there's a big line and my mom said it was like a 40 minute line yeah. a big long wait line so they sat in the she sat in the car with the 8 year old and me I was only 2 yeah. keeping them busy keeping us busy while my dad waited in the line this whole time yeah 
They buy four Sundays. Yeah. Two and two. Neil and my dad. Yeah. Who's 14. My brother Neil's 14. And when they get to the car, my mom tells me, for some reason, my dad yells at Neil, give me those. Because he thinks Neil's going to drop them or something. So now he has four Sundays and he's trying to open the car door at the same time. (laughs) He drops three of the Sundays. Yeah. Then what does he do? He takes the fourth Sunday and he throws it. (laughs) (laughs) They get in the car, they go home, nobody gets in. (laughs) Nobody gets a Sunday. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. Nobody gets anything. Fuck it. I I I I, I would have done that. I might have done that. In front of the whole family. Oh man. <laughs> I'm going out for a drink. Slam. <laughs> if you do that again, I'm calling the police. Oh. Call him. See if I give a fuck, bitch. <laughs> so your mother must have been tough. Well, she was like a church lady. Oh yeah? Yeah. Like a sweet church lady. So I mean, she I she know. she just took it, I guess, huh? Yeah. And then but once he was gone, yeah, your relationship with her must have been solid. Yeah, well, she was like, I remember uh, I was a latchkey kid. Right. And I remember when I first heard of latchkey kids, they were like, oh, these poor latchkey kids coming home by themselves, nobody at home. Yeah. And I'm, man, I loved being a latchkey kid. Are you yeah. kidding me? From what age? From like eight, nine? From like, tw- like 12, 13, I would come home. Because she was working? She had to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I'd come home and there was a, you know, I had, there's a key hidden or I yeah. had a key. I don't know how it worked. But I would come home, maybe nobody there, and I'd make my own sandwich watch or TV. whatever, yeah. watch cartoons, <laughs> Three yeah. Stooges, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't, I loved it. Yeah. It's like, God bless latchkey kids, sure. man. So what what drove, what drove you to music? I mean, like, how'd you get involved with the band stuff? Oh, there was you? a guy that came to my house who was selling music lessons from the local music place. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a music store in Memphis Avenue. Yeah. And, uh... Some guy showed up and like, hey, let's talk about music lessons. I don't know if she went to them and right. he showed up. Oh, I don't okay. know how it yeah, happened. Yeah. My mom yeah. played piano. Okay, and we had a piano in the house. My dad liked to fool around with the ukulele and stuff. So yeah. they were kind, of, you know, yeah, they like music, music around. Yeah, back then, you know, you had to entertain yourself. Sure. And uh, so TVs were only like ten inches. Yeah, yeah. small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Like, black and white. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he asked us what we wanted to play, and I was five. Yeah, and my brother Neil wanted to learn to play guitar. My brother Roger said drums, and uh, I had just there was a local talent show that was on Saturdays or Sunday. It was on Sundays on in, on Cleveland TV, yeah. and uh, I saw some accordion guy on this talent show. Polka bands and stuff are really big in Cleveland. Sure, yeah. There was always like some local tap dance group or. You know, guy playing the accordion. Was it big like uh, Polish community, Ukrainian community? Yeah, like a, lot, a lot of big, a lot of German, East Europeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of skis. Yeah, yeah, in skis. Our town. Are, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ishwitzes. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, tons of them. And uh, so I said, "Oh, I'd love to play the accordion." So I was, uh, I was playing accordion. I remember when I was like second grade, first grade, having to go like at Christmas time, having to go like class to class playing like the two Christmas songs I knew on the accordion. Yeah. Like, oh, here's, this is Drew Carey from this other class. He's, he knows how to play the accordion. He's going to play Silent Night. And then, okay, get out of here and go to the next class. I remember that. Did you uh, like that? Do you remember liking that? Do you remember like, you know, it, I, I don't know if I liked it or didn't like it. It was just, I had to do it. It was like homework. But but at some uh, you know when you play music publicly, I'm just trying to track you know where you're like. Well, and oh, I was like, I remember audience. grade school that I was like in choir and band, and we you know, I wasn't shy about getting up in front of people. So yeah, I, I remember being in like a 
we had a barbershop quartet number. Yeah. We sang Give My Regards to Broadway. There you go. You know, and some yeah. other song, and it was like eight of us. Yeah. So, like, I was one of the eight kids that wasn't afraid to get up in yeah. front of somebody and sing. Yeah. And when I did Pirates of Penzance, the only reason I had a, I played Frederick, and the only reason I had that part was like the lead part. And the only reason I got it, because I volunteered for it, because nobody else would do it. Right. Like, I'll do it. Yeah. Like, I wasn't afraid to get up there. But, but you didn't, like, were you compelled or, or or interested in comedy or performing? Or you just sort of, like... No, but I always... No, but I was in choir and they had a... Like, it, I wouldn't do it out on my own. I yeah. didn't say to everybody, hey, we should do a play. Right. I just happened to be in choir and this guy, the teacher was like, happened to want to do that. And he goes, anybody want to do this part? And I went, hey, I'll do it. And that was it. And that was it. But that's how, did, I, that's you, how I made all my decisions you, back then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll do yeah, it. Why do not? It. But did you watch comedy? Were you a fan? Yeah. Of when I would, uh, I was one of those kids that would get the TV guide and I would highlight my shows for the week. Oh yeah. Or not highlight, they? but I highlight, but I would underline sure. them or circle yeah. them. Wild Wild West, Man from Uncle, uh, F Troop. That was one of my shows. Mission Impossible? Mission, no, Mission Impossible. Yeah, sure. I like that F Troop show. was funny. Larry Storch was funny. I loved F Troop, man. If I looked on The Tonight Show and there was a comedian, if it said like, comedian Steve Martin or comedian so-and-so, yeah. comedy group The Committee, you know, oh, I, would, right, right. I would go like, oh, I want to watch that. You so liked them. I would stay up extra to watch whatever the comedy act was on yeah. The Tonight Show. right. I, maybe I wouldn't watch the full 90 minutes, which is what it used to be back then. Right. I wouldn't have you imagine. Yeah. 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 And then, like last 30 minutes, we're, we're talking about it to a guy that wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> so be you like, who the hell is this about guy? About the book. Wrote a book. He just wrote a book, this guy. Like it's crazy. Yeah. That people were like, I don't know. Norman Mailer's on for 25 minutes. Can't imagine that now. I, it would be great. It would be great. But that's what podcasts are for now. I guess so, but I think the nature of uh, you know entertainment become became I intensified with attention spans and the ability they needed to hold people. I think when there was three stations and it was twelve at night, they were like, "We can put Norman Mailer on," you know that the the yeah. the, the the need the 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 ability to hold people was a little easier. I was explaining to somebody that I would watch TV until the TV station went off the air. Oh yeah, just like, and they were like, "Till the TV station did what?" <laughs> And I go, they would go off the air. Yeah, the colors would come on. They would stop yeah. broadcasting Yeah, from like one yeah. in the morning till six in the morning. Yeah. Because there was nobody to, what? Yeah, there was I mean, nothing there would on. just be nothing there? The color bars. No. The, color they bars. would play the national anthem. Yeah, and then the color bars, right? Yeah. yeah. That'd be that. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, and there were three networks. No TV after an UHF. Yeah. UHF, what was on the UHF? Channel 43 and Channel 61 in Cleveland. Were, were there Channel three Stooges stations? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. that's a good name for them. <laughs> Bowery Boys and Three Stooges. Yeah. All day long. Yes. <laughs> Maybe Laurel and Hardy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I used yeah. to love the Bowery Boys, but sure. I guess they were just like the cheapest one to get, right? Dead End Kids. I don't know why. You know, I used to watch in my grandparents' house. It used to be like Channel 11 or something. I don't know if it was UHF, but they definitely ran the hell out of you know all that stuff. You know, you could watch Laurel and Hardy. You could watch the Three Stooges. Little you Rascals. Watch Little Rascals. Yeah, you could watch Dead End Boys, Bowery Boys. I think they became one. One became the other. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was great to be able to see that stuff. Like, I guess it was closer to the source. I mean, what do we? You're in your late fifties. I'm in my mid fifties. So at that time, I mean, those things weren't that far behind us. No, even you know? even Saturday morning, I would highlight like my favorite cartoon shows. Yeah, and, like what was those? Like Johnny Quest. I love Johnny Quest. Yeah, the Johnny Quest theme song. Is a great piece of like, I don't like remember orchestral it. jazz. I don't remember. It's great, man. Really? Oh my god! God, now amazing. I want to hear it. And hard to play. Really? You yeah. tried with your trumpet? No, I have a. There was a. 
band I see in uh, Vegas all the time, Lon Bronson Band. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Vegas, and they played. They learned it and played it for me once. Oh, that's great! And they're all like these horn session guys, and it's just like hearing it live with a full, like sixteen piece horn band. That Johnny Quest theme is a great. So do you think do you go to college? Do you do the whole college thing? Yeah. So uh, I skipped my senior year yeah. in high school because I had enough credits to graduate. Yeah. And all I needed to do was take senior English in the summer. Okay. So I took senior English in the summer because I was like, why, am I, why would I stick around? I'm already bored. Yeah. Took senior English. Didn't have a commencement or anything. I just went to the principal's office, got yeah. my diploma. And I applied to Kent State and I got in. Uh, and my first major was criminal justice studies because I used to watch a lot of uh, cop shows back then. I, there was a show called uh, Police Story. Yeah. Jo- Joseph Wamba's Police Story. He was a big- Joseph uh, Wamba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a big famous uh, crime writer. He the Hell Street Blues, right? Was that him or Joseph Wamba? Uh, no, no, no. The Onion Field or- Yeah. Uh, okay. He wrote The Onion Field and The Choir Boys. The Choir Boys, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a couple other ones. He yeah. was He was a LAPD cop and he was famous for writing right, books right. about the LAPD and- being a cop the dark side yeah they're yeah. always like the, you know right cops with drinking problems yeah cops with things, like in the interfield like those yeah. guys. uh they always had this bad back and like the psychological how damaged they were after the event uh-huh or whatever uh-huh. happened yeah and uh that, that's what compelled you to do yeah so i thought oh i'll be justice. a criminal ju- that, that looks like a jo- fun job yeah cop because that's all i like reading about and because uh, I read crime stories, <laughs> what a fucking idiot! Um, Makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't really. <laughs> but I didn't know anything about setting goals or believing in myself, and I just, you know, somebody would suggest something and I would do it. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's the? Well, that the, was my family. It was yeah. just like no dad around. He was a disaster. He's and my mom gone. just had to get a job, you know, to pay bills. So that's what she did, and uh, you know, I don't. She was a school secretary. I bet if she had her druthers, she could do something else you know but she had a family to, to yeah, i mean i think it was I, I wasn't a bad impulse to go into criminal justice it was interesting you were interested in it well my first grade point average was a 0. 0.5 oh good work yeah yeah so you, you didn't take to college <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no well i love college yeah i loved it yeah i love being in fraternity i love partying sure uh uh i smoked marijuana for the first time Pretty popular guy yeah super popular you know parties i was yeah. social director of my fraternity but as far as like what you're supposed to be at college for like, yeah to get well, a degree yeah nah. did you finish college no i got kicked out twice and then what'd you do I, uh worked as a waiter I, I never had a job for more than a year yeah like or if i did it was like 14 months you yeah know? was it miserable but, were you drinking a lot what was going on um i was like a functioning alcoholic in college when I think about it, yeah, like it, like I probably didn't help with the study. The weekend started on Thursday. <laughs> I was one of those guys, you know. Happy hour starts on Thursday, maybe even Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, you know. And Thursday was like half price. Wednesday was ladies' night. Thursday was half off. And I knew every night of the week which bar to be at. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Tuesdays. This is the spot that's hot. Right. You know. Yeah. And Friday and Saturday was just like a lost weekend every yeah. weekend. All right, so so you're doing that, and then you get jobs, and, and then, then my yeah, my fraternity got me. High. I wasn't a big stoner, but I would, you know, they got me high for the first time. Yeah, you did know. that stick? Not, I mean, you know, here and there. Yeah, yeah. So what'd you end up? How'd you end up? Come, what'd you end up doing? So you, you're working as a waiter, and you're just yeah, what? doing nothing. And I was a uh, when I was in college because I always watched these comics on TV and stuff. When I would live, I lived in Las Vegas. I moved back and forth to Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, one time I was in when I was when you were in college. Or yeah, like the college? first after the first 
when I was 18 yeah. and in college, I tried to, I had a minor suicide attempt um, where, yeah, it wasn't a serious one. I took, yeah. uh, uh, you're supposed to take sleeping pills, yeah. right? If you want to kill yourself. So I took uh, sleepies or yeah, something yeah. like were you, that. Were you, were you depressed? Yeah. I should have been, I should have been not drinking and on antidepressants and I should have had a, I should have met with somebody about like what aptitude I have and what goals I want to do. I should have sat hey, down with somebody you, like that. Did you have depression problems your whole life? Um, uh, maybe like that's I was why a, you were sort like of... I was a nail biter all through junior high and yeah. high school. Like I used to bite, uh, the skin of the pads of my fingers yeah. and strip the skin off the pads of my fingers oh. where like my fingers yeah. would be bloody and I could barely hold a pencil. All right. Like it would hurt to hold a pencil or pen in my hand. Yeah. So I used to like destroy my fingers and you know, as a form of like self-hate. Sure. And when I would walk through I tell this to be when I walk through like the hall in like junior high and high school, you know, you're trying to get around kids, and I would never say excuse me. Yeah. I would always say I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Right. Sorry. Yeah. And I would never like I'm looking you in the eye right now. I I would be like, yeah, I would be talking to you like here. I wouldn't look at you in the eye. Wow. I'd be so, embarrassed to look at you in the eye, or like I wouldn't feel like I would. I don't know. It just, so alcohol must have just loosened you up and to kind of make you feel better. Yeah, I was, and I always had like I was one of those guys that had jokes memorized. Yeah, like I would buy like Larry Wilder, you know, joke sure. books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's his name, right? Yeah, I think so. He the, had like the, the, ten thousand jokes, or had it, or no? He had like the official Polish joke book, the official oh, right. Irish, Irish joke, joke book, book the official Jewish, the joke official book, Italian yeah. joke book. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I remember those with the cartoons on front. Yeah, Larry Wilder, I think was his name. And then I also had two thousand insults for all occasions. Two thousand insults with the court jester on front. Yeah, and yeah. I had two thousand more insults for all occasions. He had a follow up. book. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. So she you, was so ugly, she could make a train, took so, a dirt road. So this was, <laughs> this is how that you, was one of them. A way to communicate. Yeah, I had all these jokes memorized. And if I, I listened Just to, to get through life. I'd listen to morning radio or I'd hear a comic on TV, on the Tonight Show and I would hear the jokes they had and I would like, oh, that's a good joke. And I would say, I would credit them. I wouldn't make it my joke. I would go, oh, so-and-so was on TV. This is just in a social environment? Like when yeah. you're uh, working at the restaurant? Yeah, and I remember there was a time where I really hated Steve Martin. Yeah. Like I was, when he first came out, I was like such a huge fan. He's great. Like yeah. one of the most innovative comedians right, right. Yeah, that, that ever it. lived. Yeah. But then when I was in college and my fraternity, you could not go anywhere to any party without somebody going, excuse me. You couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Everybody. Or yeah. they would be rolling a joint and go, hey, let's get small. Yeah, yeah. They would do that. Right. And I was just like, what the fuck with this guy already? Yeah. <laughs> Enough. Enough. Well, when did you try to kill yourself? Uh, so it was like that. I was like just about, I was 18. I turned, my birthday's in May. So it was like in the spring yeah. when I was 18. So I took these like over the counter <laughs> sleeping pills. I could have called, swallowed the whole bottle. And yeah. I, I just would have slept 10 hours. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so no one knew that you tried to kill yourself? Well, there was a party downstairs. And I would just get, I, I remember being mad that they were at a party and mad they were enjoying themselves. Mm. I remember being really angry, like, who the fuck are these people having fun? Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I used to the feel that. The fuck is with these people yeah, yeah. with dates? Don't they know? Having fun. Yeah. The fuck is wrong with them? Yeah. You know, just thinking like that sure. generally. And I went and I swallowed a bunch of these over-the-counter sleeping pills, washed it down with a beer, laid in bed. And I was a big Christian kid when I was in junior. I was a Pentecostal Christian when I was in junior high and high school. Yeah. That really fucked me up royal, uh, to be honest. Because um, your mom? 
No, my mom was a Presbyterian, like a regular Presbyterian church. And then um, I had a, there was a friend of mine in junior high that belonged to a Pentecostal church, an Assembly of God church. And he invited me to one of his youth group meetings. Uh-huh. And I ended up going to the church service and I got saved. They had like, they, they're really powerful preachers at all these churches. Yeah, sure. And they, you know, they make a case. Yeah. You know, and if you're a sinner and if you're feeling bad and you want Jesus to help you, yeah. you know, do you feel bad about yourself? Sure. You're feeling lost and lonely? A little bit, yeah. 12 year old? Yeah. 12 and a half year old? Yeah. I am a little. confused about things? Yeah, I'm scared. Come on up here. Jesus yeah. will save you. Jesus oh my loves God, you. What's happening? Come on up here yeah, and, okay. and pray with us. Yeah. And it'll be all right. And then they dip you in the water and grab No, your there head. wasn't water. It was like I stood in front and he put lay a hand on your head. And yeah. I was like crying on the ground, talking in tongues, like that, all that stuff. Oh my God. Like right before I turned 13. It got you. Yeah. And then I was going to this church all the time. I wouldn't go to my mom's church anymore. I would just go to this Pentecostal church. And I would go like, you know, I would try to save kids at school. I got uh, in trouble at Bible camp. I went to like a regular Bible camp. Yeah. Uh, Presbyterian, and I got in trouble because I saved like three of the kids and they were all emotional and crying and they pulled me aside and they told me not to do that anymore. Yeah, stop saving people. Yeah. And I want, I really want, people would ask me what I wanted to do for when I grow up and I want to be a preacher. I want to be a minister and tell people about Jesus. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. And, that and I would and I would like I would pass out chick tracks in my high school. Sure, I in love junior those. high. Yeah, the little comic books. Well, I read them, and I they weren't like kitschy, no, ha to yeah, me. I was like, "Fuck, man, look at yeah, this. Yeah. The world's gonna end. You better get right, or you're yeah. gonna go to hell and burn." And, yeah. And I remember there was a thing I bought at one of the youth group things. You used to go to these overnight things. This thing in Columbus, and they had Andre and Andre Crouch and the Disciples were playing. They were the big headlining band, uh-huh. and. Uh, so went the whole youth group went down there and we were all like 13, 14. We just tore up the hotel and, sure. you know, pet burping contest and yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And like, hey, look how big a shit I took, you know? <laughs> look at yeah. that. <laughs> I remember that. feel like bragging about the size of their shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> a big, exciting thing. You're a 14-year-old yeah, boy. When you're 14. Yeah. So when did this start to fall well, apart I bought on the, you? Well, I bought this thing called the Jesus Person Maturity Manual and it was like an 8 by 11 booklet you know, a little thing. It was like, you know, 50 pages maybe. Yeah. And it had a chapter on like, you know, responsibility and obeying your parents. And they had a chapter on masturbation and how masturbation was bad for you and you shouldn't masturbate. Which was like, uh, I thought I was going to hell. Yeah. You just, it's the only- Every day, all day. Yeah, sure. I'd like be on the bus going to school and get a boner. Yeah. For like no reason. Right, sure. Out of nowhere. I wouldn't even be thinking about sex or anything. I'd just get a boner. I miss those days. And I'd have to cover with my- (laughs) Trapper Look. keeper, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for the Mead Trapper keeper, man. The boner coverer, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Both hands walking weird, yeah, yeah. So, so you just thought you were going to hell all the time, yeah. And but what, what when you were eighteen and you got into the dark place, had, had Jesus left by then? No, I was still confused. I remember I went to see a, uh, I had, I had to see a, a counselor. I can't believe I'm telling you all this stuff. I remember I had to see a counselor in college, yeah, because I was feeling guilty about masturbating still. Oh, really? Every time I jerked off, I was like, "Fuck, I got to quit doing this because I'm going to hell." Yeah. And what the counselor this in college got to be bad. What do you? Well, I saw they had like a mental health counselor yeah. that you could see at the college. So yeah. I went to see that guy and he goes, oh, go see this friend of mine who's a Methodist minister, oh, a minister near the again. campus. So I went to see a Methodist minister and he was like, don't worry about it. I masturbate. My wife masturbates. It's not against the Bible at all. And he showed me the verses where it's fine. Oh, good. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. You, you seem to be qualified. You yeah. Know, you, you know what you're talking about. But then he was a Methodist. He wasn't really a Pentecostal guy. Right, sure. So he wasn't as hardcore. Of course. He went to the right and guy. If I, well, that would 
caused some doubt in my head. Like this guy's like a lightweight because he's a Methodist. Yeah, he's not really playing by the old school rule book. He's not really as full Christian as the. Like a, so you just didn't let yourself people. off the hook, huh? You just you were you, you were beating beat, off and beating yourself up, biting my nails, no. feeling bad about beating so, off, and that was it. Failing and, college, and then some people were. Having a- <laughs> And then the people having a good time pushed you over the edge. Pushed me over the edge. And then I took this beer and I was like, well, what's going to happen to me now that I took this pills? Yeah. In like 10 minutes, I'm like, fuck, am I going to go to hell? What happens after I die? Yeah. I have no idea. And it scared the shit out of me. And I got up and I found one of my fraternity brothers. I go, hey, man, I just took some sleeping pills. And I tried to kill myself. And they got me in a car and they drove me to the the Kent State Health Center. Yeah. There was like the little like clinic that they had. And they gave me uh, Epicac. Yeah, and, and maybe throw up. up. Yeah, yeah. Sominex, that's what I oh, took. Sominex, yeah. And I remember clearly because uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I don't want to embarrass him. But he's a lawyer in Pittsburgh now. Want to yeah. say hi? How you doing? Yeah. Hi, Paul. Yeah. If you're out there, I'm not going to say your last name. I don't want to embarrass you. Uh, but he was a really good friend of mine, and uh, I used his fake ID to get into bars, and I was really close with him. So he went with. I, I think he's the one I found. He was older than me. Yeah took me to the clinic and I was throwing up Epicac on the toilet and he was behind me like holding my shoulders and holding me up. I think he had his knees on my back like holding me up uh-huh. and he was singing uh, take Samanex tonight and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thrown up. So that was that and then I had to see a counselor. I went to see a counselor for a few sessions and you know I get kicked out of school. And you're working as a waiter. Yeah, just And then you joined the military? Yeah, I joined the Marine Corps at one point. I was uh I was living in Las Vegas and I why'd you choose Vegas? Did you Well I took oh after I tried to kill myself, like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I was like, Well, I can't go back to college or anything. Yeah. So my dad uh was dead and I was still getting his social security checks. Yeah. And uh they had a thing back there in Greyhound called an Ameripass. Yeah. And you could buy a I don't know how much it was, but you buy like a, a, a thing for like a month uh-huh. and a 30 day Ameripass and you could ride any Greyhound bus anywhere by just showing that pass and hopping on. So you could see America. Yeah. That was the ad. Yeah. And uh, so I bought an Ameripass and I had money for my dad's social security checks that I was getting. So I took that money and I had a backpack, a nylon backpack. I think it was orange. Yeah. And uh, I hopped a Greyhound bus. I remember it'd be like, my mom at the Greyhound station just like crying, uh-huh. hoping I'd be okay. And yeah. I was like crying. I was don't worry, mom, I'll be fine. You just picked like, Vegas out of nowhere? Sobbing in the car. I didn't pick Vegas at all. My brother lived out in California. My yeah. brother Neil lived in Dana Point. Yeah. Uh, my oldest brother Neil, and I hardly ever saw him, so I thought I'd just go out and see Neil. Right. So I have to Greyhound West. Uh, I think I stopped in Indianapolis, saw my aunt. Uh, and then I would, what I would do is I would um, sleep Did- sleep on the bus at night. Yeah. I didn't, not one hotel room. I would sleep on the bus. I was 19 years. I just turned 19. Sleep on the bus at night. And whenever I woke up in the morning, I would get off the bus and I would go to the men's room and I would wash my pits and my crotch and just yeah. like do a little like whore bath, put on a fresh shirt and whatever, and then uh, hang out. I would find a diner near the Greyhound station. I would have a cup of coffee and whatever breakfast I could afford. And I would just like walk around, you know, yeah. sit on a bench, watch people. Yeah. Uh, I might have had a book to read or something, uh, probably. And then around dinner time ish, I would uh, see when the next bus was coming in through, going west. And just get on. I would show my pass, hop on the bus, store my shit, uh, crash, watch the scenery. And when it got dark, I would sleep. And then I would sleep till the morning. I would do that. I went that all the way across country, and I stopped in Vegas. 
And uh, I got off the bus in Vegas and I was like, holy shit, this place is amazing. I remember I stayed at a hotel. It was down by the Hacienda, which is not there anymore. It was now Mandalay Bay, uh-huh. like out by there. Yeah. It was used to be the Hacienda. And it was a motel across the street, and I stayed there because they had adult movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, great, porn in the room. That's yeah. what I need after a long bus trip. And it was like the worst. I remember, I think I watched like five minutes of it. It was like the worst. Yeah. Like n- unbeat offable too. Yeah, yeah. Like you nothing happened. Like you couldn't beat off to this. If you're yeah. the horniest guy in the world, you wouldn't right. want to beat off to this porn. So that was disappointing. Yeah. And I left my shit there, and it was a nasty room too. It wasn't that great? Yeah. You know, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. With the free porn in the what room. What did I know? Yeah. And uh, then I just, I walked from there all the way down the strip, all the way downtown wow, and back and just marveled at how big it was and the signs. All the and, lights, yeah. Man, it's hypnotizing. Like, and then I'd walk in and be like, the cocktail waitresses were all like the most beautiful women I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? And people are playing for 25 bucks a hand. Are you kidding me? Right. What? Yeah. It's what these rich people wasting their money <laughs> like but you loved it i was blown away yeah and i just fell in love with it and then i saw my brother in california took the bus back same thing washing up the same thing no yeah. money right no hotel room and when i got back i said i'm moving to las vegas to your mom yeah and i saved up whatever money i had Did she knew you tried to kill yourself did they tell yeah, her yeah oh i think she knew oh but it was like not a serious. If yeah. I really wanted, I would have yeah. done something. But it was more like Somnex. a it was crying cry out. for help. Yeah. Yes. So you. So she said, "Go to your. Okay, you can go to Vegas." So you well, I just was nineteen. I yeah. said, "I'm going to that and ask her permission." Yeah. I just told her I was leaving yeah. again. And how long did you live? She was there? really worried about me. Uh, yeah. What sounds now like that I she should have been. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, still around. No, she died. She was really worried about me when I got to be famous and got the Tonight Show and Drew Carey Show and all this stuff. She. I think she was in denial. She couldn't believe it. Oh, really? Because I remember telling her one time, I was like third season already, like set for life. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I wasn't syndicated yet, but if I would have lived like a modest life the rest of my life, I'm done. Yeah. Like you could really like- Sure. I mean, I couldn't be driving a BMW 7 Series or whatever, but I could live. Yeah. And not have to worry about shit. Yeah. Um. Uh, she she didn't she believe it. Couldn't believe it, and she that's what she. I can't believe it. I go, mom, and at one point, and she saw you on TV. I was week. like, I, I was like, mom, this is how much money I'm making every year. Yeah, and I think she started crying. She almost like fell out of her chair. She's like, never heard of that. And I go, I go, whatever you want, just tell me, and, and it's yours. Like, you want a car? You want to travel? Yeah. You want to take a cruise around the world? You want to, you know, uh-huh. free cable? Yeah, whatever. But. And this is a person who grew up under depression. I remember getting mad. She remarried this guy, uh, George. And uh, I remember going over there, and I was a stand-up comic and successful uh-huh. at it. But this is before The Tonight Show. But right. you, know, you, you want to, like, you're booking yourself, and you have to keep in touch, uh-huh. waiting for a booker to call you back. Right. And there was no cell phones back then, so right. I had an 800 number that they could that I rented that they could call. You right. know, some kind Leave of service. Message. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And my mom didn't have uh, a touchstone phone because she didn't want to pay the money for touchstone service. Yeah. And I was like, are you fucking, I really was like, how much is it a month? I was really like my arms out like this. Yeah. How much is it a month? It's like an extra 10 or $12. And I reached in my pocket and I think I grabbed $200 bills and I threw it at her. <laughs> <laughs> I go here. Get yourself some buttons. Yeah, get yourself some buttons because I'm not losing work. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have a touchstone phone. <laughs> When I come see you. Well, Otherwise, they, I can't come see you for an afternoon because I'm going to miss a call and I'm not going to be at work. Yeah. Well, th- when you offered her uh, anything she wanted, did she take you up on it? 
I think she yeah she took a trip with a one of her lady friends. Oh, that's sweet. They went on a trip, but she just wouldn't like the whole idea of it. Like if I were to fly her out first class, we here's my mom. Yeah, she came out to see me in L.A. We went to the Beverly Center. Yeah, which is a a nice mall. Right, not the nicest mall in sure. town. Yeah, but it's a they're remodeling it now it might be yeah but it, it was at a great mall it's tough for malls right now yeah yeah but you know at the time it was the place to go yeah went to the bevy center and my mom said this in the parking lot oh look there's one of those bmws yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and there's one of those range rovers and there's one of those mercedes and there's one of those jaguars yeah like she just the, there was a bmw parked in the parking lot what yeah all right so you'd never seen like she'd heard about them there's one of those bmws yeah, yeah in my neighborhood growing up if somebody said hey i got a new car you would ask oh really what year is it right <laughs> <laughs> nobody got a new car right <laughs> new to them so okay so when you're in vegas what, what do you do there Will you just hang out for a while i worked as a bank teller worked at a denny's so what made you join the marines well, uh, I lost my one job that I had and I got- In Vegas. Yeah, and I was living in this motel that's been torn down, unfortunately. So I used to like to go back and visit it. It was by Fremont and Charleston. Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar with Las Vegas, Fremont and Charleston is not, it's not the greatest neighborhood in the world. Yeah. Uh, there's worse, surely. So I'm not saying I was in the worst neighborhood ever. Right. Uh, it wasn't like I was living in Cabrini Green in the 60s. Right. You know. <laughs> but not a great neighborhood. Not a great neighborhood. And uh, I actually got shot at once mm. when I was there. Somebody shot at me from the from a car with a, Just, gu- with a gun. Yeah. Yeah, they said something to me, and I was in the Marines then, and I had my uh, jacket on, yeah. and I said, the fuck did you say to the people in the car? Yeah. I can't remember. It was like, it was at night. Yeah. And I never could see who was in the car. And I heard, "How would you like a hole in your glasses?" And I said, "Why don't you suck? Why don't you suck my dick?" Yeah. Words to that effect. Yeah. And then bang, <laughs> and you ran. No, there was a shot, and I'm I'm in the Marine Corps. I know what a fucking gun sounds like. Right. They shoot at me. The car takes off, and I ran after them to get that's, a license plate number. That's what the Marines do to you, like a moron. Yeah. But you're probably all jacked up. I was all jacked up. On marineness. Yes, I was. And I was like, oh, you fucking with me? I'm bulletproof. Like, yeah. I really was like out of my mind. And it was an empty lot behind me uh, at this place. So it didn't hit anything, I don't think. Huh. I mean, I don't know. I didn't hear it hit anything. So you just joined the Marines because you'd like hit some sort of bottom and decided- Yeah, and I needed a job and I was staying at my- Did I you think you my... needed discipline and you needed- dip- No, I was at my- I lost I lost my job in- in LA, I was living in Vegas. I was playing, staying at this place that cost me $55 a week yeah. in rent. It was a motel, wow. cockroaches everywhere. Ugh. Miserable. I was washing yeah. washing my clothes in the tub. Yeah, God. Hanging them up on, you know. Yeah, was, really living it. Yeah, rough days. Yeah. And then um, uh, I lost my job, couldn't pay for the $55 a month, put everything in my car that had already been totaled, uh-huh. it barely ran. And I, I could, I had to steer it sideways to even get like a block. It was, I shouldn't even be driving it. Um, so I, put all the stuff I had like I had a yearbooks and old love letters and pictures and all that kind of shit yeah and I put it all in the car and I my friend said hey come stay at my place overnight um so I went to my friends I remember I walked into McDonald's they were having a um they were doing a the they had the uh, uh Monopoly contest going yeah, on sure and no it said no purchase necessary and I was starving yeah so I go I go I have to, have to buy anything to get a card and they go nope I go can I just get a card then they have me a Monopoly card and I ripped it I want a coke yeah and I was like, ah, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, every, I savored every piece of ice. Yeah. <laughs> Tough day. My friend made me like, I think my friend made me like, 
like SpaghettiOs or something sure. or chili in a can yeah. when I got to his place. Uh-huh. And I was like so grateful. And I went back to my place the next day. I walked back to my place and uh, somebody smashed the windows out of my car and stole everything. So I don't have any of my high school yearbooks or my original love letters from my first girlfriend or any of that stuff anymore. And they haven't showed up? No. These yeah. tra- somebody was looking for whatever and they stole trashed it all, it. trashed it, who knows. Mm. I looked in the garbage and everything was gone. And that was one of those moments where you're just like, what is my life? Yeah, so then I called the guy and I was yeah. crying. I had a couple of chains, like a quarter in my pocket. He goes, well, I'm about to go to Vegas or I'm about to drive to LA with this other friend that we knew. Why don't you come with us? And I go, okay, I got a brother out there. So I got a hold of my brother and he said I could stay there. So I stayed at my brother Neil's. We drove out there. I got to stay at my brother Neil's. He lived in Mission Viejo, Dana Point area. And uh, he got me a job driving a van for a port. He worked at a Porsche Audi dealer. He was the parts manager. Yeah. And he got me a job driving the van delivering parts around Southern California, which was a great job. Yeah. Because I would be like, oh, they need a Porsche muffler at this repair place. Go got deliver you Thompson to guide? Yeah. Yeah. And I had a... You know, Zenyatta Mandata, the police, I would yeah. listen to that tape over and over again and like yeah. listen to K Rock and I was just like that was in heaven. Yeah. And uh then the owner of the place found out that we were related and he didn't want a relative working for a relative because it'd be too easy to steal. Huh. If he was the parts manager and I was delivering parts. Right. So my brother goes, Sorry, he found out that you were my brother, so I have to get I have to let you go. So then I was like sleeping on my brother's couch and I didn't have anything when I got there. I had like that guy, that whoever broke into my car, like took clothes. All I had was like the clothes on my back. Yeah, literally. Right. No underwear, sock, nothing. But you could have bought stuff. I didn't have any money. Your brother didn't give you money. My brother got got me stuff. Yeah. So I like he, him and his wife took me out shopping for underwear and socks, and yeah. t shirt like basic shit, yeah. toothbrush, yeah, deodorant. Like I had nothing. Right. And uh, I was sleeping on the couch. So I said, "Well, what am I going to do now? I guess I'll just join the military." And I went to the recruiter's office. And I was afraid to join the full-on military because I was like, what if I don't like it? Then I'm stuck. Yeah. So I just joined the reserves. And the first guy I met- The Marine Reserves? Yeah. So the yeah. first guy I met was uh, the Marines. And I went to the- I, I looked in the Navy first and the Army first. And the Marine guy was like so together and their office was so together. And he was like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, Marines are pretty together. And I thought, if I'm going to do this, I just go for it. You know- don't go halfway. Just yeah. join the hardest one. So you did. Yeah. And I would like, honestly, uh, thousands of people do it every year. It's not that bad. But but did you, do you did you enjoy it? Did you Loved did it. change your life? You trained? Loved it. Got I got three, shape? got three squares a day. I was in great shape. Uh, you know. Did you have to go anywhere? No, I was in the reserves. Yeah. Like we went to like two weeks training every summer. But did you went like to Germany was, one summer? Went but to was Virginia. there a weekly thing you had to do? Did one you? one weekend a month, two weeks during the summer. And but when how what was the training like? I went to boot camp and I went to school. Uh huh. You know, boot camp was like three months all together. It's like eleven and a half weeks, but then there's an orientation period and stuff. So you're in total, you're in boot camp for like three months. So where does comedy start? How old were you? Forty? Um, no, I was already <laughs> like twenty-eight years old or something when I started doing comedy. But how did it start? So I oh, so I was in college and I would always like before the Marines. I would always like uh, like comics. When I was living in Vegas, where uh, I also had another suicide attempt when I was in Vegas. You did? Yeah. Um, what was that? How did you do at that time? The same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, just depressed. Drunk. Um, I wasn't like an alcoholic, but I was just depressed all the time. I mean, I was by myself. Are you on did... medication now? No. Huh. No. No, now I'm like the happiest guy in the world. Huh. It just changed. Super positive and, you know. It just happened because you made it. 
a lot of reasons. Like I wouldn't have made it unless I was found a way to be happy. But did you do the suicide second one? Was that during the Marines or after? Uh, it was after I was in the Marines. Oh. Yeah, I remember getting the ambulance bill <laughs> and not having money to pay it. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Five, three hundred dollars. Why did I wake up? Why did I wake up? No, I know. Yeah. Um, so, but. Um, they had like there was a at the Sahara they had a thing called the Sahara Talent Showcase. Yeah, and you could just sign up. Yeah. So the first time I ever like there was a talent show in college where I got up and I told jokes. Right. That I knew. Yeah. Like bar jokes. And it went good. It went okay. I got yeah. laughs from friends, and they it was not unexpected to me. And then when I was in Vegas, uh, I signed up for the talent Sahara Talent Showcase, and I did a it was terrible. Yeah awful like the worst yeah it was just stuff i thought was funny that i yeah. wrote down i didn't know anything about writing tanked? jokes or anything oh yeah. i don't know what i was doing people were just staring at me uh, and then well, um there happens. was a there was a guy that had a local uh joe b joe bihar was his yeah. name he had a local like talent thing yeah that would be at like a caro's right like sure. literally yeah yeah no, in yeah. the corner and it would last for like it would be like once a week for like six weeks then he would like, oh, they didn't want us there anymore. Then he would move to uh, Mountain Jacks. Yeah. <laughs> then it would be someplace else similar. And this was in Vegas? Yeah. And he would have this, you know, Joe Bihar's Talent Corner or something like, or Comedy Somewhere, Corner. Sure. Joe Bihar's Comedy Corner. Yeah. But you could be a talent, you could get up and sing. Sure. If you had a little like tape. A, like an open mic almost. You know, a variety, total open mic variety. every week yeah. in the corner of a Caro's. I remember trying to do stand up there again, still terrible. That's why I met the guy that gave me the ride to LA. Yeah. Because he was trying to do comedy and there was another guy that was trying to do something too. Oh, and that's how we met those guys. Oh, okay. Uh, when, like, you, when you lost everything. Oh, Mike Love yeah. Level. Yeah. And when I got to Cleveland, uh, this is before the Marine Corps. I moved back and forth all the time, a few times in, from Vegas. I, I would go out there and fail and come back to Cleveland and go out and fail and come back to Cleveland. Sure. And, uh, I got back and the local comedy uh, local guy was starting a comedy club in Cleveland. Yeah. And they were looking, he was going to do it. At, his idea was to do it with all local talent. Yeah. Which is a mistake. <laughs> 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 so he's looking for people to audition. So I went and I auditioned on a Saturday. I remember we saw an Indians Yankees game. And after the game, I went to audition in, yeah. in the day. And I was awful, I got to say. And this is how bad it was. But he hired me as an MC because he needed people. Sure. Like I said, I was just willing to do it. They say the same thing all my life, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. Okay. Uh, so uh, Wednesday, the first Wednesday, I had 10 minutes. Then I introduced the middle act and the headliner. Thursday, they cut me to five minutes. And on Friday, they said, just introduce the acts. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't allowed to do anything. Right. Because I, I was de destroying any hope of fun. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. know, there has to be a set for, I read a book. You, had, you uh, had that vibe. Huh? I read a book that Freud wrote about humor. There has to be a sense of play yeah. for comedy to take yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody has to be in a playful mood. Yeah. And that's why you can't tell certain jokes are like, they call it crossing the line because you take people out of their playful mood. Right. If you make a cancer joke and somebody recently had a cancer right. thing, sure. they won't be playful anymore. Freud said this? Freud? Yeah, Freud yeah. wrote a book about humor. Wit and the Unconscious? Book. I don't know. I can't remember. Wit and its book. relation to the unconscious. Is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. I saw it in college. I didn't yeah. read the whole book. I yeah. remember, but that's that okay. part is very true. Sure. You know, that's why they have fun music and yeah, yeah. drinks to get you in right. a playful mood. And that's why you can talk about cancer. You can joke about rape. You can talk about murder. You can joke around in, about incest, but everybody has to know you don't mean it and everybody's in a playful mood about it and everybody sure. doesn't, that knows nobody's taking it seriously. You got to make all those things fun. Yeah. And if you, if you're in the room with 
you know, a hundred people and everybody knows like, okay, we're all joking around and this yeah. guy's sick. So it's all sick humor. Sure. I get it. And they're in that yeah. mindset. I get it. Yeah. It sounds good. But if somebody takes a tape of it and shows it on TV later, look at this fucking guy. Yeah. Like people watching at home are going to go, this guy's a fucking monster. Monster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, that happens all the time. People do them. That's the sure. chance you take when yeah. you do that kind of joke. Anywho, uh, I, they cut me and then I tried a couple of times. I was no good. So I stopped. And then later on when I was always, and this was like later on when I'm 28 now, just so like eight years later, yeah. like seven years later, mm. something like that, six years, seven years later. Um, you know, I thought, well, that was a thing I tried that I'm no good at. Yeah. But I would go to the comedy club all the time to see people. Like when Bob Sega would play, I would see him on Wednesday when the tickets were half price. Yeah. Then I would take a date on Friday to see him again. Oh, really? And then I'd take another friend of mine on Saturday to see him a third time. So you were addicted. You I, have Bob Sega. I was a comedy yeah. aficionado. I would go to that club constantly just as a fan. Yeah. And it was somebody like a Richard Jenny or a Bob Saget or somebody who was a really murderer yeah. thing where I'd be falling down. I would go back twice a week to see him like i would just really be like oh comics i was like yeah. a comedy groupie and so i would watch these guys and i remember it's because i saw them already uh that i kind of like took all a lot of information and in through osmosis and i got in a, i was working as a waiter and, and the owner of the guy place got mad at me one time and all of a sudden i wasn't working good dinner shifts i was working yeah. lunch shifts instead yeah and when i did work i would get the bad section that wasn't enough money right and i i at the time, I had this friend of mine who was a disc jockey who knew me from back in the day. Right. And I was telling him about my troubles. And he goes, well, if you ever think of any jokes from my radio show, I'll Is pay he, you. Was he on a popular radio show? He was a working disc jockey. Made, sure. Made a living. Morning show? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes afternoons, whatever. Yeah. He said, well, if you ever think of any jokes from my radio show, I'll pay you. Because he always thought it was funny from back then. And we always kept in touch. Yeah. And I go, how much will you pay me? And he said, I'll give you 10 or $15 a joke. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, shit. I could make $100 a week. Yeah thinking up jokes yeah but i didn't know how to think of jokes yeah. all i knew is if i thought of something write it down so i went to the library in cleveland and i got a book on how to write jokes you did well whose book it was called i think it was called how to write jokes by some british guy i can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it but it was like the only thank god it was the only book in the library about how to write jokes oh my god and it did so all lucky. the it did all the things about you know making a list about a topic and you know exaggerating this and minimizing you know like all the standard things you do when you write a joke yeah and but I had all the information and I was like, oh, this is what you do. Yeah, it was like a miracle to me. So I started writing jokes and I made. This was like in the fall. I now I want to, I want that book. And I made uh well now I have a bunch of joke writing books. I have like all the oh you do yeah I bought them all. Gene Perret and all those book guy that work. Do you don't have any of those no, joke I writing don't books? any of the books. Oh my god, they're great. They are. Well, you don't have that kind of you don't have that kind of act anyway. Well, I'd like to do that kind of act. Well, then she gets some joke writing books. I will. You got to tell me what they are. I will. Okay. Um, so anyway, the, uh, January, I made a goal for myself. So I'm going to try these jokes on amateur night. Yeah. And see how they do. Because I'm, I'm, now I know how to write jokes. Right. And I went to amateur night that January. And at the time, uh, Stop Making Sense had come out like a year or two before. Yeah. And I thought, oh, people are wearing like those kind of, like it was like the new white wave suit. style. Yeah. People wearing those suits. Yeah. And the glasses I had were from the Marines. Uh-huh. Uh, I couldn't afford any other glasses. I wore contact lenses sometimes, uh -huh. but otherwise, those were the glasses I had because I didn't have any money. Yeah. That's the free glasses I got from the Marines. And I had my hair cut short because I was in the Marine Reserves. Yeah. And I bought the suit at a sale at the Goodwill. All you could fit in a bag for $20. Yeah. And I bought it because, oh, this that was a suit that I had. Yeah. I thought it was a hip suit. Right. So I wore the suit and I had the glasses and the crew cut and I got up an amateur night and people laughed at me when I walked on stage. And that was my first laugh. And I got 50 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, here we go. And people thought it was funny and they gave me advice and I wrote jokes and everybody, every time I saw a comic I thought was good, I'd say, hey, can you give me some advice? And they would give me more advice and I'd write more jokes. Who gave you the best advice? 
It, everybody gave me good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vic Dunlop told me, talk to people like you're talking to them in the living room. Yeah. Like I was, I didn't know where to look right. when I was on stage. What right. do I do? Do I, I can't look at people in the eye? Do I look at the ceiling? Yeah. I goes, just look people in the face and pretend you're, that you're in the living room. That's what I do. Yeah. That was a great tip. Yeah. And he was, passed away, didn't he? Yeah. Somebody else told me uh, a great technique. Uh, tell the joke and then act out the joke. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What do you mean? Tell us, set it up. Like, um, uh, so, so here's one of my, one I just thought up. If you're not in a relationship, you want to, and I'm in a relationship. Right. So if you're not in a relationship, you want to feel what it's like to be in a relationship without being in a relationship. Here's what you do. All the fun things you like to do when you're by yourself, stop doing them. <laughs> That's the joke. Yeah. And then yeah. you act out the joke. Right. Honey, I was just getting high. I was oh, just, yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to, but <laughs> you do that. Yeah. That's, you, I get it. You yeah. see people do that. Examples. A list of examples that you act out. You see people do that all sure. the time. Right. Tell the joke, act out the joke. Yeah, yeah. Very common. Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, well, I, it's supposed to happen instinctively, I think. Yeah, also, tell the joke and don't move. That was another thing I learned. Oh, yeah? Tell the joke, and because as soon as you start moving, the, that's a visual cue for the audience to let them know that another joke's on the way. Oh, okay. So they start, the laugh starts to die down. Oh, okay. So just let it sit. Like all these like vaudeville sure. fucking tips yeah. that people learned in Chicago. I, there's a lot of Chicago comics yeah. coming in that I would like... I would go to Chicago and do sets too that I would learn from people. It's great. I mean, I just picked everybody's brain about every fucking thing and read every book I could find about how to write jokes and then I just started working and it all blew up from there. And and that's how you built your act and that's yeah. how you started? Yeah. I even came up with a formula about like writing 10 jokes a day to get one joke. That was my percentage. If I had like 10 thoughts, It's like a monologue writer's job. That's what I would do. Yeah. I would try, I, but I didn't, I wasn't like Seinfeld where I had to think, oh, I have to write eight hours a day because that's my job. Right. I figured out in my head that if I think of one funny joke a day, telling it, getting the punchline, getting the laugh, that's X number of seconds. That's maybe that's like 20 seconds, 25 seconds. Yeah. And I'll also think of tags for it when I act it out and tag it. That'll be another five or 10 seconds, including yeah. the laugh. Right. And if I wrote one joke a day, five days a week, all year round, I could get about 45 minutes a year right. of material. Oh, so you had it all worked out. I worked it out. Yeah. Like and a did math you, problem. Did you follow that yes. system? Yes. That's great. And I would write but like, like, like writing 10 jokes a day though. You could be anywhere. You could be in your car. You could be like whatever, yeah. wherever the brains work. And then the, the, the kicker of it was, yeah, they didn't have to be 10 good jokes. I just needed one good joke. Right. So it'd be like nine thoughts. Yeah. And then one good joke. Right. And then I could tag it and work on it and that would be turned into something. And that's all I did. It's, and and, and, and they, the rules were, they couldn't be dirty. Yeah. I could write dirty jokes. Right. But they couldn't count towards the 10. Okay. So we were extra. Yeah. Uh, they had to be stuff that I'd be clean enough to do on the Tonight Show, right? And then you got to do the and, Tonight Show with Carson, yeah. And they couldn't be topical because I wanted to be every. I could write topical jokes, yeah, like oh that Carter, right? Or oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 oh that Clinton, right? Oh that whoever's the politician, right? But I, I they didn't count towards the ten. But you did your first Tonight Show with Johnny, right? Yeah, Johnny and Doc. That's great. And Ed, yeah. that was my dream. I had to have the, all, I had to have all, and the, you did it. I had I, I wanted to have all the starters there. Yeah. Nothing against yeah. Tommy Newsom. What do you mean? You want? Oh, you want the first? I, I love Tommy News. Yeah, Tommy yeah, Newsom. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want a guest star. I didn't right. want. I love Gary Shandling, but I didn't want him to be the guest star. Right, host right. And I was doing my first Tonight Show. Yeah, of course. Had to be Carson. So you, you know, you, you obviously came up. You got your headlining set. And then yeah. You got your, you got your show. Yeah. And then my question was really, 
is that you know you did you said you went into you did retire to some degree yeah and then they made was was the prices right an offer you couldn't refuse or something you really thought was well i did that i did that power of 10 show right and you liked I, hosting when i yeah when i did the well it was an interesting show to me yeah like i thought wow what an interesting thing oh, the, the polling show yeah yeah you get polling and it's like that sounds like fun and you know i go to new york yeah you know, for a couple weekends a month, big deal. Yeah. You know, and yeah. all of my other time. Oh, you is, knock them out that you strip them? Yeah. Yeah. All right. my other time is free. Sure. Fucking why not? Yeah. Um, fuck it. Yeah. So, and I liked Michael Davies and the guy that was doing it. So, fuck yeah. And you did it. Yeah. And then I did the pilot and then it was for CBS. Yeah. And then I was driving on a driving trip out of New York at, then in a rental car and I got a call from CBS. How would you like to do the, my agent called me. Yeah. So I got a really interesting call from CBS casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had been taking acting lessons because I thought maybe I'll do some movies or something, small yeah. parts. And uh, I thought maybe I'd do you know, a little small part here and there. And uh, I, I thought, oh, did they want me for a CSI or uh, I really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really yeah. did like, think, yeah, oh, yeah. I can yeah. act. And they go, he goes, how would you like to take over from Bob Barker and do the prices right? And I was like, <laughs> I, did, I think I said like, what? <laughs> Fuck no. I think that's the first thing I said. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that old man show. I'm going to do that. Fucking yeah, show. I didn't yeah. know anything about prices. Sure. I don't know what it was. Yeah. And, but you uh, knew it was a part of the, an, an, like an integrated part of American culture. Yeah. But I thought I'm not going to be like, that's that like, guy. they might as well ask me if I want to do a cruise ship. That's sure, what I felt yeah, like. Right. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. And then they said, that's here's the number they're throwing around. No, not even then. Then yeah. they picked up Power 10 and I'm back. I was at Bob's Big Boy. Now I'm back. Now they picked up the show. The one in like Bur- Burbank over there? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm eating there. I used to go there all the time. Yeah. And then uh, my agent calls again or, and he goes, hey, CBS called again. Uh-huh. And I go, really? And they go, they still want you to do the prices right. <laughs> and I was like, well, what does it pay? Yeah. And he goes, I don't know. And I go, what are the hours? Because I'm doing this other show. Yeah. He goes, I don't know. And I go, well, I at least owe him a meeting now. Right. Because I got this. Sh- now yeah, you're on the air. Now they're my family. Yeah. I have to take a meeting. Right. So they go, find out what you can. I'll find out what I can. Uh-huh. They had no website. They had no anything. I found out as much as I could. I had a meeting with him. By the end of the meeting, I wanted to do the show. Really? Yeah. Why? What was it that about it? Um, well, I still didn't know exactly how much it paid or what uh-huh. the hours were, but they filled me in when I yeah. took the meeting. Right. And it was like the head of CBS daytime and one of the producers and uh, president of CBS and one of the producers on, on The Price is Right. They were getting to know me and I was asking questions like, does the show ever travel? Like, what are they? And they go, oh, we'll work around your schedule. If you need time off, don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Ask us in far in advance. We yeah. get the time off, which is true. Finally, the one guy, Sid Vintage is his name. He was sipping a beer and he looked at me and goes, what's the thing you like to do most yeah. in life? And I go, I love leaving big tips. I really do get a thrill out of like throwing a hundred bucks at people. Yeah. Like a valet or a, a cup of coffee. That, that's I, what you told him? When yeah. I used to drink coffee, I would like just leave a hundred bucks for sure. everything. Yeah. And uh, I, I've had on road trips, I've had people chase me out of the restaurant, like at a Denny's. Yeah. Sir, sir, you left yeah. too much. I go, nah, nah. They don't recognize me. I go, nah, <laughs> keep it. Keep it yeah. What? Like people, it's, I love it. Yeah. I love over tipping. And, um, I go, I love leaving big tips. And he looks at me and he goes, well, if you do the prices right, you can do that every day for a living. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's right. <laughs> and that's what sold me. The feeling of like- That feeling of like- Changing hey, someone's life Have with a it. car. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like it, brother. Oh I'm my God, you. that's true. There's nothing like it. And it's not my money. Yeah. That's the best part. <laughs> It's somebody else's money. And uh, I get all the credit. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. I just love it. I love people like are freaking out because they get the like- A free thing? Because I know how yeah. I know how broke I was. Right. Like I gave plasma when I lived in Vegas. I lived in this Roach Motel. Right. So it, when people even win like 
500 bucks, which is not a lot on the prices, right? But I'm like, 500 bucks is great. Yeah. My joke is like, if you want a scratcher on five, if you want 500 bucks on a scratcher, you wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah. Wow. That's great. That makes sense. Yeah. So, well, great. And you, and you're, you're doing it forever. Are you there for life or how uh, does it work? I don't see, I don't have any reason to leave. And is it, does it do well? Does it hold its numbers and everything? It's the number one show in daytime. <laughs> Second half hour, we get like six million people watching. That's unbelievable. If it was on prime time with uh-huh. those numbers, we'd be like a top twenty-five show. That's crazy. And, <laughs> and what about this? And you're not depressed, and you found a way to be happy. You enjoy sports. I know my friend Dave Anthony sometimes oh, travels yeah, with Dave you Anthony. to soccer games or whatnot. Yeah, and when, when did Buddhism come into play? Um, uh, I started practicing and learning about it, like, if, mm, like right around when the Drew Carey show ended. Right around there, uh-huh. and then um, I really came home and I was—I uh, took uh, the Vipassana meditation course. We uh-huh. go for ten days without talking. Oh yeah, I did that. Wow, a couple of years ago, and that did it. That was a life changer. The, oh, yeah, because every night you do like a, you get a lesson in Buddhist philosophy, along with the meditation. Uh huh. And then you meditate the whole rest of the day. You get up at four in the morning and you meditate all day, and it, then like around eight thirty, there's like a forty-five minute lesson in Buddhist philosophy. Interesting. No talking. And that's and I guess the combination of that and, and you know, making a living and, and having, you know, validated yourself in so many different ways, uh, you know, kind of pushed back that shitty sense of self and, and all the depression. Yeah. Because you don't feel like you were biologically depressed. It was conditional in some way. I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, when you're, the place you grow up in is like a punchline. Right, and you know, the situation you grew up with your, you know, your dad missing. And, and everybody you know, from that, yeah from that era of cleveland that yeah. grew up has a really like self-depreciating sense of humor or it wasn't like, just the home life it was just like yes cleveland everybody that's in the town was like yeah oh hey we suck kind of a sense <laughs> of humor <laughs> yeah. you know like right. that whole right uh, added, even like the local disc jockeys the local tv people everybody, everybody had this like so shitty of course sense it sucks of, yeah. we're doing it yeah low self-esteem the entire the well you know city. how you know how and mad magazine was really popular you know yeah. how mad magazine goes uh here's some other bullshit we thought of that's their whole thing yeah you know, like, right here's some more garbage from that magazine <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah. was the whole point of view of the whole city when they would go yeah we're doing this thing of course it's got to suck because we're doing it oh man. of course i suck because i'm from here <laughs> they would always have that kind of sense yeah, of humor yeah. about us sure sure right you know well i'm glad everything worked out man it's great talking to you yeah our shit doesn't stink and our shit stinks in cleveland yeah that's the you know yeah we, we, don't, sure. we have the opposite attitude of hoity-toity yeah <laughs> yeah but i tell you it's when that like there's a couple restaurants in cleveland the best restaurants in the world yeah, that greenhouse great. tavern and the in michael simon's place down the street yeah uh, great yeah and then there's a grilled cheese restaurant do you ever go to that corned beef place not like corned beef simon's i don't like corned beef oh which is weird because it's a big, huge thing. There was a really famous uh, corned beef place right in my neighborhood that you could walk to. But I was it wasn't like, Swyman's? No, it was something else. It was like a local place. I'd been there forever. Uh, we can have different opinions about corned beef. It was, uh, it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, nice talking man, to you. Nice seeing you again. That was fun. That's great. Cut it down to 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we're looking for 12. Did I tell you that? <laughs> I don't know if you understood what we were doing. Right? Like, I hated to be impolite. I didn't want to cut you. <laughs> I don't know what you thought you were coming for. But you're, you're... <laughs> I hope you feel better. 
<laughs> yeah, I should pay you 150 bucks an hour. <laughs> oh boy. I, that was such a satisfying hit for me. Drew Carey was amazing. That was amazing. I, I really uh, enjoyed talking to him. Hope you did. Hope you liked that too. And soon I will be playing guitar in here. We're not far away from that. Just hang. I know there are a lot of you who are like, when? When? When, Mark? When do we get you working out riffs at the end of your broadcast? When does that happen again? Soon, folks. Soon. That's all I'm going to say. I got to get a, I got to get the guitars out. I just got my sound panels up. Did I tell you about my sound panels? Boomer lives. <laughs>